in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Well, you ready for an NBA team to be for sale? Uh, Emails. Robert Sarver could be forced out of the NBA. Um, Jordan Schultz tweeted this over the weekend. The NBA is preparing for a massive story accusing Suns owner Robert Sarver of racism, sexism, and sexual harassment in a series of incidents. Sources say with enough evidence to support such claims, there's a real chance the league would forcibly remove Sarver. Now, I feel like I would have seen this. I just want to double check. This story that Schultz is alluding to hasn't actually come out, right? No. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure I didn't no. miss that because that, that would actually be the headline today. Um, what I thought was most interesting is that the Suns, before the story has come out, and just based on the report of, hey, there's a story coming out, put out a statement saying all these things are untrue. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what's in the story. You mean... <laughs> They're getting ahead of the game. But they have come out and said the story is false without knowing what's actually in the story. Um, but Well, if any of that stuff's in the story and it's substantiated, then goodbye, Robert. Sorry. Right. If they're, yes, racism, well, sexism, sexual harassment. Yes. This is the one league that actually has a history of we will take your team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm fascinated, obviously, to see how much of that, like you said, is substantiated, right, of these claims against Robert Sarver. Uh, also, in what form did they present themselves? We just dealt with John Gruden and emails, but I still oh. there still has not been a single person that has said John Gruden acted that way to actual people personally. So I am curious how much of this is, hey, We've got emails from Robert Sarver versus, hey, this is how he treated people that worked for his organization. Can you see Sarver seeing the Gruden story break and just speeding to his office to get to the computer to start deleting as much as he can, even though he sent the emails and they're out there? Oh, be great. So uh, I am also fascinated to see if they do force him out. Who's buying the team? The Purple Knights. Bring them to Vegas. Here come the Purple, Purple Knights. Knights. Go, Here Bill they come. come on, Billy. Yeah, that's good. Keep the same colors. Yeah, why not? Purple Knights. So has, has Desert Knights already been used by one of his teams? Not yet. No. Nighthawks, Desert Knights, Las Vegas Heroes. God. Yeah, the Las Vegas Heroes, it, like, dude, you're working on a theme here. Yeah, it's so off-brand, and it's the worst of all the names. I would willingly take the MLS team to be the Desert Hawks instead of the Vegas Heroes. What a nightmare. But come on, as soon as as soon as this happens, we're immediately jumping into who can buy the team sure. and move them to Vegas. And move them to Vegas. That's well, what Sarver, we're doing. Had Sarver thought about Vegas or San Diego? He had thought about once. He had thought about moving them. Well, they had arena issues before, right? Right. right. I know the Coyotes at the, at have that had the time, big ones. At yeah. that time, he thought about moving them. It might have been to San Diego, not Vegas. But he had talked about moving them. Now, he mentioned, because we covered it uh, on back in technically correct days, that it was like, ooh, the, he keeps mentioning Vegas. as yeah. oh, like, impossible. Okay. Okay. They might give, a, they might give okay. us some money. Yeah. Um, we can bring up the Jay Bloom guy again, too. 
They the say he's a billionaire. The guy who says he's going to own an NBA team but doesn't actually have any assets or can't prove he has any assets and his well, his neighborhood trying to well, kick him out. Didn't Steve Wynn make a comeback recently? Oh, boy. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, he, and real quick, didn't he? What happened to the groundbreaking on the other arena? Is that still going on? The all net? That is a good question. Is that Jackie Robinson? I think it's supposed to happen in November. So I think the I think groundbreaking is going to happen this month. The re the re groundbreaking. They did the groundbreaking like seven years ago. The groundbreaking 2.0 or something. I All think right. I think the I have to look it up. I think the story was November was when that was supposed to we'll start. See. Is the dirt gonna be extra hard in November. Say, like we'll that see. seems like a weird time to do it. I don't care about him. Next question. The Cardinals are hiring Ollie Marmel to be their manager. He is 35 years old. He was the bench coach for the Cardinals this year. He has experience uh, as an actual manager in the minor leagues uh, in the Cardinals organization. But you, you should love you should love this guy. I don't know much about him, but he's 35, 35 which so means it, he's going to be all screams, Hey, we fired the old guy, replaced him with the 35-year-old who's going to look at the calculator yeah. and tell him who's coming in. You should love this guy. I love it. I don't know why I said calculator. I sound like an old guy talking about yeah, analytics. You do. But I assuming that's who this is, I don't know anything about him. He might hate analytics. Nah. But assuming, hey, he's 35, he's, he must love numbers. He's Rich Bisacci because the only thing I read about this guy is he's 35 and players love him. <laughs> like that's the I read like two two sentences on this guy, and he was like, I go, that guy's young, but you know what? Players love him. We need to get the like new coach, the story about a new coach. All players hate this guy. Yeah. Like, when is that gonna happen? Blaine Kiffin. That, that players, when he was a new coach, like when he got his first job. Yeah, like when he, when I think the first time with the Raiders, didn't all the players hate him? <laughs> they hate him? But not I'm before not. he got the job. All right. Well, This wasn't it. like, a, oh, this guy's been the special teams coordinator for two years and he's an ass and we don't want to <laughs> yeah. talk to him. Bigger cliche. Players love a guy or high school recruits comes off a visit and he goes and, and makes a commitment. They, they, they're family. Just like family. Treat me like family. Those coaches. There's a lot of families out there with those high school recruits. <laughs> A lot of, like, no one ever says they treat me like family. The Manson family. <laughs> oh, you know, I can't tell you that. The Colts beat the 49ers 30-18 to 18 last night. There were six combined turnovers as they played in the rain. I believe all games between bad or mediocre NFL teams should be played in bad weather. <sighs> because that game was, like, generally fun like it wasn't necessarily well played oh it was bad but it was fun because you didn't really know who was going to hold on to the ball at any given moment in the game i'd like them all to be played in snow i would like jared was saying we're going to get a playoff game in, in a blizzard that'd be hilarious no no see i want to see the good players play in normal conditions because your fantasy teams no 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 but like <laughs> just to enjoy like if like he the example he gave was like aaron Rodgers against kyler murray and somehow it's going to be in green bay in a blizzard in a no blizzard. no Really? Play the damn thing in Arizona because those offenses are good and they're they're yeah. those are fun teams to watch play. There's nothing that fun yeah. about the Colts or the or the 49ers unless there's six turnovers in the game so and you it's want sloppy. every Jets game in a blizzard. Absolutely. <laughs> Give me Zach Wilson having to throw through snow and <laughs> hey, hail. Yeah, be believe it's some guy named White. Yeah, that's right. Zach Wilson got hurt. He, he got hurt. Looked weeks. like he was not knowing where he was. But like in all seriousness, what's fun about the Colts? Like Jonathan no. Taylor breaking tackle. I mean, Carson Wentz threw a hilarious interception last night. Yeah, so yeah like, he did. But when it's when it's raining, that makes it more likely we see the hilarious Carson Wentz interception. Jimmy's still the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he was. God, was he bad? Did they end up? I think they had more. They almost they had almost as many yards in PI calls as they did in actual it, passing yards. Yeah, because it was throw it deep, under throw it, 
pass interference, move it 40 yards down the field. Good he, offense. Oh, he threw one up into triple coverage that I went, there is no way that he thought that that's where that ball was going. <laughs> Next question. People protested outside Barclays Arena yesterday in support of Kyrie Irving. The Nets had their first home game of the season. They ended up losing to the Hornets, by the way. Uh, but there were protests outside and people, they didn't actually get into the arena, but they broke through some just metal barriers to try to keep them away from the perimeter of the arena. Uh, they're fighting vaccine mandates saying they stand with Kyrie and that they need to let Kyrie play. We're not losing them. They're still out. They're still going to the wall. Uh, they're in every city. Here's what I don't get, though. You're protesting the wrong people. The Brooklyn Nets have not come out and said Kyrie Irving can't play because he's not vaccinated. The NBA hasn't come out and said that. It's the local government. So it's like it's like um, Nick Rolovich suing the AD. Right. It's like the AD didn't make up the mandate. The the state made up right. the mandate. Now, sure, I'm sure the NBA and the Nets maybe they would have done it had the local government not but done they that. Did. But they didn't. Like if you want, if if you're like, hey, stop the mandates. We stand with Kyrie. The Nets aren't going to be able to change anything. The NBA is not going to change that. Do you believe what was hidden here is Hornets might be pretty good? It might be. What did they do? What did they do? They lost. They might. They be lost in the play-in round last year. Yeah. They yeah, might be. They're in the they're East. Pretty good. They're in the East. Yeah. They could. They're, they're not going to contend. But I think there's about they're fun to watch. There's about seven teams that could finish third or fourth yeah, in the East this they're year. Fun to watch. Like it'll probably be Celtics and Sixers. But then after that. Who's the fifth best team? Is it the Hawks and Trey Young? Lamelo's good. It might might be the Hornets. He's good. K-Long told me a couple days ago. <laughs> I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. Uh, it's a good so thing it's... he celebrated because the season didn't end exactly. very well. Exactly. There was no other celebrations to be had. This is dead arm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, how do you have a dead arm? You make $40 million a year. Oklahoma <laughs> came back to beat Kansas. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff happened here. Kansas led 10-0 at halftime. Uh, I think my favorite part is that Kansas made an announcement at halftime that you didn't have to have a ticket to get into the game. Like, they just started inviting anybody that was in the area, just please walk into the game and cheer for the team because they might beat a top-10 opponent in Oklahoma. I love that. I also love Caleb Williams taking the ball from his running back on a fourth down play because the running back was getting tackled and converting the fourth down himself, even though it should have been called down for forward progress. It's still a terrific play from Caleb Williams. I also love that Alabama with one loss already jumped Oklahoma and is back up to top three in the A people. I love the entire Twitter universe was ripping Cincinnati for playing Navy close, like just ripping them all day and doing all the stats. And Pat Forty had a great tweet and he retweeted. He said, you mean Oklahoma? Because, like, when Oklahoma's doing it, it's like, oh, you know, it's just an off day. Cincinnati's doing it. How can they be considered for the playoff? Why the heck are they ranked number two? I'm glad, and I don't care about AP rankings, but I am glad they stayed at two. Like, could I, I could have seen, much like Alabama jumping Oklahoma, which I don't have a problem with, I could see them, like, moving them down yes. because, oh, it's Cincinnati and it's Navy. They didn't beat Navy by 45 points. Yes, so exactly. I mean, you got to drop But them. early on, it was just like, oh. You got to make a statement game. Left. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Kansas. I know they should have won the game. They should. You got. You got to close it. You got to finish that upset off. So, I've been to enough Kansas football games that literally what you're describing, where they go, okay, it's open. 
they kind of do that anytime they have a lead. <laughs> <laughs> they also won't kick you out, even though it's a non-smoking arena. If you go ahead and just start smoking in the seats. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Illinois beat Penn State 20 to 18 and nine oh. overtimes. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, once you get to the third overtime in college football, it just becomes two point conversions. Like you just line up and run a play from the three yard line and then your opponent gets one and it's basically a shootout style, right? The first time that one team converts and one team doesn't, you have a winner. Uh, Illinois and Penn state went five straight overtime (laughs) sessions with neither team converting from three yards away. This is a... Fairly recent change. Do you think they need to change the overtime rule in college football? Anything that goes nine overtimes, I'm kind of interested in. Kind of fascinated. Well, the point of this is to not let it go nine overtimes. Yeah, but it did. Right. But the point is to eliminate nine overtime games. I don't think enough about college overtimes to worry about should they change it. (laughs) It's fine with me. Uh, It's been a long game. Let's get this thing over. I'm more embarrassed that none of them had good enough two-point plays. That's That's usually what's on the card well, we've got two that we've practiced all year, and we know one of these is going to work. Obviously, they didn't have any of the two-point plays that worked. It took until the eighth overtime yeah. for one of them to score, and they both scored in the eighth overtime, and then only Illinois, Illinois. scored in the ninth overtime. Brutal. Well, you can't, you can't, you can't give all your cards away. You got to, you got to <laughs> save, save them for the next <laughs> put nine them on overtime film. game. Don't, don't be Marcus Mariota and put it on film. All right, coming up next, the Golden Knights lost again. Is Pete DeBoer going to be on the hot seat soon? Back in, maybe with numbers in the midst of a change. Wad down low, got the puck across. Colasar shut off. He cut through the crease left to right and could not bury it. Zach Parisi, oh, a turnover by Haig. Out in front, toe save. Leonard stopped it. How did he do that? Oh, my goodness. Play continues for Nelson. It's pandemonium. Back to five on five. Slam dunk try. Stopped by Leonard again. Zach Parisi at the right post, couldn't get it by Leonard. Vegas gets it out of the zone, and they can change. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Four straight losses for the Golden Knights. They have tied a franchise record with four straight regulation losses. They have had a couple of longer losing streaks. But those included some overtime losses, which you get some points for. Uh, But four straight games without picking up a point ties the franchise record. And as Justin Emerson, who's coming on the show a little bit later, tweeted out, the last time the Golden Knights lost four straight games in regulation, Gerard Gallant got fired. Yes, he did. And Pete DeBoer took over. So I feel premature asking you this, (laughs) but how safe is Pete DeBoer's job? I think Pete DeBoer is really safe. I really do. How long until how, how safe John is, Tortorella is out there? <laughs> I'm going to counter this with you because I think uh, Pete DeBoer is really safe. It doesn't happen in hockey unless I miss it a lot. But in-season changes with assistants, how often does that happen? It happens. Uh, I don't think it's a ton. It doesn't I think seem there's like more, it happens a lot. I think there's more um, like reassignments. Like for this duties? guy, this, yeah, this guy was handling the power play. Now a different guy's handling the power. Well, play. and my point is, and that might need to happen <laughs> with Steve Spot. Is <laughs> when is someone else going to handle the power play? Is that fa- is that a fair question? Well, they're over eleven. They're the only team in the NHL without a power play goal, and they're over the last twenty-seven. And yeah, they're coming off a postseason where 
you can kind of point yeah. to a big reason why they got eliminated so, was they couldn't score on the power play. And I know Pete DeBoer talked about it last night. And you know, look, they're missing a lot of guys. He's like, he said, we literally have five guys who can play on the power play right now, which <laughs> is true. They're missing a lot of their guys that would be on the power play. But I'm sorry, 0 for 27 and 0 for 11 speaks for itself. And when does the time come when maybe someone else, I mean, take a shot. They can't be worse, right? I don't know who would, I don't know who would step in well, there. Well, you could but give someone... up a goal. You could okay. just you could be minus one for eleven. Okay. Hey, it's not like they've been you know letting a bunch of breakaways happen. Yeah, they haven't given a poor Robin Leonard who's just like, yeah. oh god. <laughs> so okay, the injuries is what's it's an interesting part of this because it is very clear when you do not have Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Tuck, now Alec Martinez, uh, Zach Whitecloud is in there. Nolan Patrick all of, all of a sudden, sudden he got hurt the game no one even saw night. him get hurt it's very clear right you've got a lot of regulars yes. and not just regulars you've got some your of best your players. best players right. not playing that is a very clear reason as to why the Golden Knights are struggling but I will say the Golden Knights should not be 0-4 in their last four games because of those injuries Yes, those injuries make the Golden Knights like a non-cup contender right if all those guys had season-ending injuries they wouldn't be a cup contender but there should still be enough talent on this roster that you win some of these games, especially games at home, and especially the last two have been against teams on the second nights of back-to-back. Well, especially when you have like a second period last night and you can't finish anything. Right, they were dominant. I mean, I'm sorry we make fun of it a lot, but at the end of the day, can Keegan Colasar finish at all? No. <laughs> I mean, we said it last year, right? It's not that he didn't get shots. He might have had like the three best I mean, he chances. might have had the three best chances last night. Finish a, finish a play, they're not scoring. So they dominate the second period. They come out of it with nothing. And I get the whole Islanders cutting off the middle and they're a great team. I heard, I heard that way too much last night, given how well the Knights played in the second period. Finish something. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Finish plays. You're, you're right about that. And by the way, I think, heck, I think if they had all these guys for season-ending injuries, they might not even make the playoffs. Never mind win the cup. Um, but you watched that game last night as good as they were in the second period. Heard that a lot, too. Didn't hear enough of like finish plays. You're, you're NHL players. I know you're not Stone and Pacioretty, but finish plays when you play that well in a period. So I think one of the bigger issues here, or at least these four games, is the good players that are still healthy. The Carlson line. Yeah, the Marsha, the Smiths, who really struggles. Yeah, Theodore, Petrangelo, Dodonov, like the guys that should, should be carrying this team. They haven't been good. No. Like, they have not been good. And to, as an example, last night. So these are high-danger chances that each individual had. Keegan Colasar and Nick Wall led the team last year. They each had three high-danger chances. Night. Last night, yes. Right. They each had three high-danger chances. The Carlson line, Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcheseau, total combined to have two, right? Petrangelo and Theodore, neither one had a high-danger chance last night. Dodonov did not have a high-danger chance. Last night, the other guys that had them were Matthias Janmark and Jake Lashizen. That's not good enough. Like, yes, you are going to struggle some because Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are not in the lineup. But there's no reason that the Carlson line, the Petrangelo, that Theodore shouldn't be having good games, shouldn't be having good shifts. And there's very few times over these four games where you felt like any of those guys have truly dominated, where it's truly been like, oh, Petrangelo looks like the best player on the ice right now. It just, it, it hasn't happened for this team. And Shea Theodore, 
you might be looking at him as one of the worst right now. I mean, last night when Theodore was on the ice, they gave up seven high danger chances. That was the most of any single player. And the Islanders only had 12 the entire game. So when Theodore was out there, they were getting exposed defensively. Yes, it sucks. You've got all these injuries. The best players got to be good. Yeah. Like they've got to be good at some point. You can't just coast around. They've got to actually step up and perform. And they're not getting that right. And now. I know it's going to change when guys come back, but I hope uh, Petrangelo's in really good shape because that guy's playing about 30 minutes a night. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> 29, 29 and a half, I think, the game before against Edmonton, over 30 last night, and you're four games into the season. Again, Martinez and others come back. You can rest them more, but, man, that guy's playing a lot of minutes early. 28 total minutes for Petrangelo last night, uh, 25 and a half for Theodore, 22 for Nick Haig. Nick Hague's Nick back-to-back on the turnovers that led to goals. Oh, so Nick Haig actually played pretty well last night and had probably like the best overall numbers by like Corsi and stuff like that. Uh, but he had a brutal turnover yeah, that, that led, led to, to the, the second, second goal. goal. Just at his own yeah. blue line and yeah. just just loses the puck. I don't even know. It looked like if I was out there trying to handle a puck is what it looked like. And the Edmonton game it was a brutal turnover. Yeah. And so it's like Haig has had good moments, but... When you have those brutal turnovers and nobody's making up for it on the other end, it's kind of a nightmare. Um, still, uh, still no eighteen thousand. Yeah, the crowd hasn't been great. A lot of empty seats last uh, night too. The Oilers game was pretty fun. So a lot of McDavid. <laughs> yes, a lot of McDavid. Um, also, one interesting part: uh, Friday's game against Edmonton that Jared was at. AT and T Sportsnet yeah. just dropped. dropped out in the third yes. period. Hey, <laughs> like. I mean, that's what? fair. It was just gone. And I kept switching back and forth until I saw on Twitter. I'm like, is this my television? And I kept, and then I saw on Twitter, no, it's dropped out. And then eventually, like out of the blue, Riley Smith appeared on my screen. <laughs> it was very strange. And he was in the corner. I'm like, oh, I guess they're back now because there's Riley Smith. Was there a shot last night? And I, I mean, I love our partners, uh, you know, Millsy over at uh, AT&T Sports. Was there, was, was there a shot last night of just the empty dressing room hallway for like 30 seconds yes. during the game? And it was just like that. For oh, there reason, was? Yeah. Like down the tunnel? Yeah. yeah, they showed down the tunnel. And I was like, oh, somebody got hurt. Somebody's going down the tunnel. No, just an empty tunnel. They just left the Security it. guard just standing at the end for like legitimately a good five seconds. They were I, just on this. I didn't see that. I, I watched most of it. I didn't see that. I think Adam was kidding, but we'll have to ask him on Thursday. I think Adam was kidding when he tweeted, uh, Milsey, like, tripped over a wire. And that's why that did. would be, oh, would, that, would, would it be awesome if Milsey tripped over a wire, like, getting out of his seat and the whole, the whole uh, AT&T shut down? Oh, uh, oh AT&T Sportsnet. Is that their way, the Golden Knights' way of getting people back into the games? That might be it. Just cut off the feed. Yeah, you can't watch feed. it on TV. I don't, you I don't know if they're watching either. <laughs> you read Twitter, they might they might be watching the Raiders now. <laughs> all right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan Wallace. What's wrong with this team? What's How up, much buddy? trouble are they actually in? Hey, uh, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out why the Golden Knights aren't scoring a lot of goals when you have Mark Stone out, Max Patch Ready out, Alex Martinez out, uh, Zach Whitecloud's out, um, Alex Tuck, he's out too. Oh boy. And then Nolan Patrick missed last night's game. 
upper body injury day to day. This team is absolutely ravaged right now by injuries. But they still have William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, Riley Smith, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, and Evgeny Dadnov, who's making $5 million a year. Sure, they shouldn't be Stanley Cup contenders with all these injuries, but they shouldn't have lost four in a row in regulation, pose no threat offensively. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the fact that they were able to generate 35-plus shots in the last three games, so it's not like they're not creating offensive chances. They're just not finishing, and when you, know, when you take that finishing power out of the lineup, it, it becomes harder and harder to finish. Yes, the Misfits are still there. Yes, Petrangelo is, is on this team, as Denny Dodanov is expected to score, but Dodanov hasn't scored yet. It, it hasn't yet worked for him here in Vegas, and it's a lot that you're putting on the shoulders of Alex Petrangelo and you've seen him do too much and it's ending up in turnovers and plays that end up in the back of the net. So for the Golden Knights, um, it's really about finding a different identity right now. Like if it were, if it were, you know, if I'm looking at this with a, with a different lens, I'm not asking defense to jump into the rush and, 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 and do more offensively because what it's doing is leading to defensive breakdowns and those breakdowns are ending up in the back of the net for the Golden Knights. If in the offseason the front office determined that their big weakness was forward depth and that they spent the offseason fixing that forward depth and now we're into the season and you're telling me that that forward depth can't finish, what's going to be different about this team even when they're fully healthy in the playoffs? Because that forward depth isn't asked to produce at a top six role. It's asked to produce at a bottom six role, third or fourth line role. Like what you're asking now is for Evgeny Dubanov to, to be a first line center or a first line forward. And he's, he's just not that right now. What you're asking is Peyton Krebs eight games into his NHL career to be producing at a top six level. That's just not going to happen. But down your lineup, yeah, you could probably chip in a goal here and there. What you're missing is two-thirds of your top line. Like, there aren't many teams in the NHL that are going to miss two-thirds of their top line and have no issue scoring goals. Like, take Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl off of the Edmonton Oilers. You tell me how many goals they're going to score. I want to ask you about the power play because everyone's asking about the power play, and we talked about it before you came on, um, philosophies, who runs the power play. And DeBoer said last night, we really only have five guys who can play in the power play. But 0 for 27, 0 for 11, would you tell Steve Spot we're going to try someone else trying to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an absolutely fair question. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, we're, we're, looking at, we're looking at a depleted lineup in which you, you've got Keegan Colasar on your second unit, and that second unit hasn't really been consistent over the last three games because more and more injuries are, are pushing players in and out of the lineup. But uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is for the Golden Knights, they've got to find a way to score a power play goal. There have been some chances, but a lot like the five-on-five play, there's chances there, and they're just not finishing. They're just not converting. Um, different, Maybe a different voice, maybe a, a different thought on what to do here, but you know, for the Golden Knights, really right now, it's just about hanging on. It's about dealing with what's going on with the injuries and trying to come up with some combination that will get them three goals and a win in the standing. Uh, this is not to be meant to be funny, seriously, because it dates back to last year, but why can't Keegan Colasar finish? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, 
it's, it's not for lack of effort, not for lack of trying. Like, he's putting himself in the right positions, in the right situations. Um, you know, you look at each play individually, and, and by the time he gets around to the, the shot, he's either off balance or, or isn't in a position where he can lift the puck or whatever the case may be. Um, you want those chances to keep coming. You want a goal to fall for him so that he can get some confidence. Um, but right now, the puck's just not going in for him. Golden Knights are allowing the most high-danger chances per minute in the NHL right now. How much of that yeah. do you blame on the defenseman trying to do more offensively? Yeah, I, I put a lot of stock into the defenseman getting the green light, being told to, to move up the ice more, being told to try to create some more offensive chances. And what that ends up doing is, it, you know, if, if, if you make a play and there's no one there to support you, it goes back the other way. I mean, we saw it in the first two games of the homestand. Game-winning goals were directly off of turnovers uh, in the neutral zone. So um, you've got a defense that is expected to score and is expected to pick up the slack. And what that expectation is doing is forcing some plays that are uncharacteristic and plays that are turning around as, as three-on-twos, two-on-ones, three-on-os. And uh, it's losing the Golden Knights hockey game. What did you think of uh, Miramanov last night? I thought I thought he was fine. Like there weren't glaring defensive issues with his game. There were a couple of moments offensively where he picked his spot, he jumped in, tried to create something. Um, I, I thought he was perfectly fine, and, and it'll be interesting to see if if you know there's there's any return to health on the back end. I, I don't expect that before Tuesday, so I would expect Miramanov to get another shot. If this team uh, eventually gets back to 100% health, or well, it's hockey, so that's dumb to say, but at least close to 100% health, <laughs> are you convinced that they're fine and that they're still going to be a Stanley Cup contender when that happens? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different variables that, that kind of go into play. Like, if, if you're going based on what you expect this team to be and everyone playing to their capability, yeah, I think that they're a playoff team, absolutely. But the question is, what does Max, when Max Pacioretty comes back, what version of Max Pacioretty are you getting? Are you getting a 100% healthy Max Pacioretty? Or are you trying to get him into the lineup a little bit sooner because of what's happening with, with him out of the lineup? Same thing with Mark Stone. We don't really know what the injury is with Mark Stone. So we don't know what that rehab process is going to look like. And when you get the player back, how, how much of himself is he going to be on the ice? Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough now. I thought the Golden Knights had to be about 500 with Pacioretty and Stone out of the lineup so that they were in, in kind of a comfortable range to, to go back to winning 65, maybe 70% of the games that they play from there on out. Um, I'm encouraged by the player Robin Leonard. I think he's been really good for the Golden Knights. So um, I think they're a playoff team. Uh, as far as contender goes, they're going through a lot of adversity. And if they can get through this on the other side, and get better and get healthier and then return to that level of play that we've seen over the last couple of years, then I think they'll be better for it in the long run. Petretti's long-term IR, uh, we're getting some news out of Pete DeBoer, probably more than we should expect uh, from the Golden Knights in terms of injuries and, and the length of them. How concerned are you that these are long-term? And also, when you look at the Pacific, I know it's early, it's four or five games, I get all that. But are you looking at a few teams above them saying, you know what, they might be better than people thought, and this might be tough here? Yeah, I, 
it's not to me so much about what like what teams are right now as as much as it's how many points ahead of Vegas are they, right? Like you're looking at the Edmonton Oilers right now. They are eight points up on the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a lot of ground to try to make up for for top spot in the division. And, you know, all the teams that are banking points right now while the Golden Knights are not, it makes that climb even even more difficult. Even if the Golden Knights come back and they're amazing, I I mean, the clip that they're going to have to win at is going to be substantial. Now, the good news for Vegas is that more often than not under Pete DeBoer, this team won about, 72% 72% of, of the points that were available to them in the regular season. So you believe they can get back there, but you don't want to dig yourself so big of a hole that you can't make up that ground, even, even on teams that probably aren't as good as you, but they were able to bank points early on in the season. Where's the next win? They're at Colorado tomorrow, at Dallas on Wednesday. I think it's Anaheim here uh, on Friday. Where's the next win? Yeah, I, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, listen, some of the best games the Golden Knights have ever played have been against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'm not going to go out and say that I, I think that that's Oh, do it. Come on, do it. Win. Do it. But say here's, it. Here's Guarantee it. Colorado, Colorado early on this year has struggled too. They've gone through a little bit of injury issues. They've gone through some COVID issues, same as the Golden Knights. So I think that that Colorado game might be a little bit closer than a lot of people are expecting it to be based on the three-game homestand. Uh, but I do think the Golden Knights are going to find a win in the next three games. Where that comes, I don't know. But I, I don't expect that this team is going to be on on a seven-game losing streak uh, through the end of next week. I, I just don't see that happening. Will they score a power play goal in those three games? You know what? Um, the more time they give Peyton Krebs on the power play, and if they get to a point where they throw offensive superstar Daniel Miramaranoff on the power play, then yeah, absolutely. They're going to score a power play goal. Well, he is Ryan Wallace. Check out the VGK Insider Show from 4 to 6 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Do you like my qualifier? You have to have Daniel Miramanoff or or and that's the only way a power play goal is going to be scored. There uh, it is. Boom. It's, it's Thanks, an okay guys. qualifier. Get out of here. That's good. You know what's a bummer for me? This is the first time the Golden Knights have had significant injuries to their defensemen, and Jake Bischoff is hurt. I was going to say, because I've seen lists over the last few weeks of as these defensemen go down, who would be the most, you know, eligible, the the uh nor the ones that get called up and I've never seen his name. So you now you're telling me he's hurt. Yeah, he's been No, he, he's been hurt. He got hurt last year. Don't know what the injury was. He played like seven games, got hurt, was out the entire year, was out okay. for training camp. Now we know not, why. Yeah, has not played for the Silver Knights either. So I don't know what the hell happened to him, but we're getting close to like a year since he's been out. So something serious, right? Like Killies. ACL or something like that. Knee. But yeah. yeah. But otherwise I'd be yelling about it every single day because yeah, they're he all wasn't up because they're all hurt. So if they put Stone and Pacioretty on long-term IR, doesn't that free up some cap space for them to go get Eichel, it and does. then they can basically just wait until the playoffs, activate them off the IR, and then you know you don't need a salary cap. Well, they got to make the playoffs. Eh, they're in the Pacific. It's fine. They'll Is buy- it? <laughs> they're in last place in the Pacific. All right, fair enough. They're eight points behind Edmonton. Yeah. He is right, and I know it's just five games, but eight's still a lot yeah. because Edmonton's not going to start, you know, what? probably not lose five, six, seven in a row while the Knights When's win. When's Canadian five, six, Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. 
No, not Canadian Thanksgiving. Hanukkah. No, we do Hanukkah, right. but they do Canadian Thanksgiving. No, no, they do real Thanksgiving. Oh, real Thanksgiving. Yeah, they okay. do because Canadian Thanksgiving is like in the off season or something stupid like okay, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. But the problem is like eight points is nothing to make up for the rest of the season. But the main problem is we haven't seen this team actually play well to make you right. think they can oh, win. They can make that up. They can win four yeah. or five in a row right. and all well, of a sudden. Well Edmonton starts losing gone. four or five in a row. Right. And but if even if Edmonton did, oh the Golden Knights also lost four in a row. Right. So didn't matter. Coming up next, Deshaun Watson getting traded. Has it for a short gain out to the thirty four yard line. Again, impressive coverage what, what, by what, Anthony what, what Avery. Are you doing? What are you doing? Tyler Boyd has it for a short gain out to the 34-yard line. Again, impressive coverage what, by what, Anthony what, what Avery. Are doing? What are you doing? Third down and six. Burrow in the shotgun. Ravens bunch six along the defensive front. Burrow takes the snap. Bliss pressure coming. He's flushed in the pocket. Throws deep near side. It is broken up. Complete at the 40-yard line. T. Higgins was the target. Anthony Averett had great coverage. And that is going to force the punt team on. If you were listening, you heard Femi say, what are you doing? What are you doing? He was not talking to the players or the coaches. We actually had a fan who was trying to climb into the broadcast booth. She said, I'm a veteran and I'm looking for a drink. Yeah, I don't serve uh, drinks at the game. I might make some cocktails at home, but this is not the right time or place. You just never know what's going to pop up or who's going to show up on game day. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. Was the veteran in the drink cart? He was coming from the front. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I haven't been in. I haven't been in many press boxes that could happen. That was He's in uh, a TV booth. Yeah, that was the Bengals, right? Yeah, that's the Bengals. Bengals radio crew. No, Weren't Baltimore they on the road? Radio. Oh, that was Baltimore's radio crew. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, Baltimore's at home. Okay. <laughs> I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran and need a drink. Okay. I had not heard that until Jerry no. played it for us. He gave us no warning as to what was going to happen yeah. there. So I got to experience that as though I was a listener yeah. to that game. How confusing yeah. was that? Because all you hear is, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you're like, what are these moron coaches doing? And then a minute goes by and they don't say anything. <laughs> and then you find out somebody was trying to get into their booth. Which, by the way, does that guy just walk around saying, I'm a veteran, where's my drink? Yeah. I thought it was Aren't someone... are football games expensive to get into? The second time he said it, I thought someone was trying to... Like maybe an official or a stat person trying to bug him during the broadcast. I would have never guessed it was a veteran trying to get in for a beer. No, okay. But I thought someone came in the booth and like was like interrupting them or something, <laughs> like with some kind of update or something. Well, somebody was interrupting <laughs> him apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it twice. He said, kept, he, he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? So I got to, oh man, we got to look up like what this press box looks like. Like, how yeah, how difficult that's... is it for this guy to scale the whatever he had to scale to get up there, right? 
right? Like, like, is it? Just, can you just turn no. around and talk to the radio people? Denver, you can get up. I think we were in Denver last week. That we were pretty close to the top row of the fans on the on the bottom section. Um, I haven't been many where you could just climb up and climb into a booth, though. That that's that sounds a little <laughs> that sounds a little old time, like when old school old school press boxes. I, I mean, this is just this. I mean, I have I have been very inebriated in my life. I don't think I've ever been. I need to go in there <laughs> and, and get a drink. Get a drink. Those they guys got, with the microphones the have drinks. The headsets. <laughs> that is clearly I know what, what a I'll do. Looks I know like. what I'll do. I'll tell them about my service. <laughs> but play it again. Just not the whole thing. Because I'm, like, I'm sure they deadened their mics at some point. No, they, they killed them off. for ten they seconds. Yeah, yeah. Play it again for us, just but not the whole thing. Just until he says, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" All right, hold on, because this is phenomenal. Has it for a short gain out to the thirty-four yard line. Again, impressive coverage what, by what, Anthony what, what Avery. Are doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes on for like yeah. a minute, forty-five seconds. Did, don't I don't know if they killed them right away because you kind of hear still hear the fans, but at some point they kill them. Oh well, they, they just they, like they, I, kill they the killed mics. their mics, yes. but the, I think yeah. that's the stadium mic. <laughs> that is beautiful. What are okay. you doing? So <laughs> we do shows on location sometimes, right? And uh, I well. do one every Saturday at Treasure Island, right? And like people will occasionally come up and try to talk to you sure. while you are on the air. But we're just like at a table and they walk up and you can kind of shoo people off and, and point say, hey, at the mic the and say, yeah, I don't know that I've ever experienced somebody like physically climbing over some sort of barrier to get close and then having well, zero clue what's happening and asking for it. If drink. they wanted to, they could go over the card table we put up fairly easily. <laughs> fairly it, easily. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be as difficult as climbing into an NFL tele, tele, uh, radio booth. Fortunately, I don't think we look like bartenders when we do shows no. anywhere. <laughs> and I, but I don't think these guys look like bartenders. No, I don't either. think these guys probably do. I, I just enjoyed the. I, I make a cocktail at home. <laughs> like that's like not good. And I gotta give the credit for a kid credit for adding that he's a veteran, as if they were gonna feel like, hey, this guy's a veteran. We, Hold we on, gotta guys, pour this stop guy the broadcast. Yeah, stop Someone the broadcast. get this man a drink. <laughs> yeah, we have a veteran here. It's not like you said, you know, I'm a. I'm a salesman. It's like, yeah, get the hell out of here. He's oh. a veteran. Wait a minute. Let him come in and call call a few plays. They should have. That's what they should have done. <laughs> so, yeah, get up here. Yeah. Come Put call on a this headset. couple of plays. Put on this headset. Yeah, just Jamar Chase is going to score another touchdown. You got this. No big deal. I'm going to go have a drink while you do it.